When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So today I want to take some time to talk about the price of silver and gold. I know, surprise, surprise. But what I want to specifically talk about today is sort of a high conviction move that that I see happening in that the short to medium term here, uh, short to medium, at least in this context, being at least this month into January. And, and of course, that move that, that I suspect is coming rather soon for both silver and gold is to the upside. And and for me, this is something that I feel a little bit more confident in saying after uh, gold and silver, uh, especially gold, because silver has really underperformed in the last day or two, but especially gold made a bit of a move up off their bottoms uh, thus far this week. Now, gold did find, kind of as, as I suspected, some, some resistance around 1481, in that ballpark area between 1480 and 1483, which previously was a very strong support level for gold. That's not surprising. But the reason that I'm seeing this as, as a bit of a high conviction trade is, is or trade, you know, I, I talk as if I'm trading this, but but as a, a move that I'm expecting, um, there's a couple different factors here. And I only that's only one, the fact that it moved up off of its bottom and, and it hasn't broken back through like 1450 or something like that for gold or or significantly lower for for silver, um, but but the other reasons are I think even more important. I'll start off with with seasonality. Uh, seasonality basically for for silver and gold going forward is pretty bullish. Uh, the, what I mean by that is this time of year, heading into middle to end of December, and then the beginning of a new year, tends to be a a time in which silver and gold rise. Not always. But it tends to be that just that. In fact, it's usually late November, early December, if not earlier in the fall time, that we see metals sort of, of, of find a short-term bottom. We, find, we, we saw it last year, a little bit earlier than this, but, but even in November, there was a pretty significant bottom for silver and gold. And we've seen it in years past around this time period, and then a move up heading into the end of the year. Now, of course, I'm not going to hang my hat on that. I'm not saying we're heading to 1600 gold based solely on seasonality. So there's a couple other factors, a couple other events that I, uh, well, I want to talk about. Before I get to that, I want to, I don't know, I want to talk level with you guys. Uh, okay, so I'll start off with with my take on gold, silver, and the stock market. You know, as long as I had this, as long as I've had this this channel, this podcast, which has been over three years now, hundreds and hundreds of, of episodes, I I can't think of a single time in which I w- was able to say that I don't think silver and gold are are drastically undervalued and stocks aren't overvalued. Now, maybe short term. Gold and silver have moved too much to the upside over a short period of time, or, or stocks were were oversold. But even you know a little over uh, a little under a year ago, you know Christmas Eve when when the stock market was basically bottoming, uh, right on on the 
verge of a full-blown bear market, even then, I, I felt that, yes, even if socks were maybe a bit oversold, they weren't undervalued relative to, to their fundamentals. And, and I think it's important to, to distinguish when it comes to, to my own opinion or your own opinion on where markets are heading, distinguish your perception of the overvaluation of, of precious metals and stocks and bonds and whatever, and where the market's actually going to, to head. See, that's a mistake that I made, I think, for a long time is, is assuming that simply because stocks are overvalued and precious metals are undervalued, that they have to correct that that imbalance that that metals have to move up and stocks have to move down yeah that that's generally what happens eventually but the mistake that i made for a long time is is basically fighting um what the market wants to do of course in that time span since i've had this channel uh you know i think it was october 2016 was when i started it uh what we've seen, you know, late September, early October, what we've seen in that time period is a huge move up following the 2016 election. And as a whole, stocks have gone up a, a ton. And actually, precious metals, well, at least in the, in the case of uh, silver, it has dropped since then. Silver was a fair bit higher when I when I started this all out, right? So just because I might be right in saying they're overvalued or precious metals are undervalued doesn't mean that that's going to change immediately. And yet... What I'm saying here is not only do I continue to hold that viewpoint, but also that I have a pretty high conviction that uh, a change is, is coming here, that, that a move to the upside is, is in the works. And I, I'll be honest, I think it's going to coincide with a move to the downside for the stock market. So getting into some other reasons why I think this is the case. Uh, the trade deal. We can talk a bit about Chinese and U.S. relations and the trade deal for, for a couple minutes here. It's not a topic I love to dive into too much because honestly this has been going on for 18 plus months and I, I can't tell you how many times where I've basically rehashed the same thing my take on the trade deal has not changed considerably mainly that a I'm very pessimistic about a trade deal actually uh, coming to fruition anytime soon if at all and, and second of all, I think that this, this trade war between the U.S. and China is so much more than just a trade or an economic or currency-based war. This extends to so many other areas of, of U.S. and China influence and, and where their influences clash, whether that's Taiwan or Hong Kong or the Korean Peninsula or the uh, uh, Belt and Road Initiative or um, whatever, um, the Middle East, Afghanistan, you, you name it. Uh, there has been a sort of clash of ideologies, not unlike a clash of ideologies during the Cold War, and, and that's why I've oftentimes referred to it as a new Cold War between the U.S. and China, just like the U.S. and Russia, or the U.S. and communism. China played a role in that back then, but, but the Soviet Union was, the, was our you know, primary foe. Just like back then, we clashed on along Eastern and Western Europe lines and, and what was and wasn't part of the USSR or in Africa or in Vietnam or Korea or whatever, uh, Cuba, whatever area that was under the threat of communism or, or in, in, in a pull between those two spheres of, of influence, the, the West and the East. And the same is true right now. 
And and that's why I'm so cynical about uh, a trade deal occurring because none of these other issues are being worked out. In fact, you know, I just mentioned how, how Russia was sort of the, the Soviet Union was the big foe of, of NATO and, and democracy in the West and whatnot during the Cold War. And yet we have recent news that, that NATO... Uh, which the U.S. is the biggest member of, and certainly has been in the news quite a bit lately with Trump's uh, um, NATO uh, meetings and whatnot. NATO is is basically name, naming China as as their other you know ma- other main adversary, right? Which again is not helping the situation in terms of of this trade deal uh, coming to fruition. Same thing goes for for um, U.S. Congress, which which I totally support in this move, but basically U.S. Congress and, and their, uh, first their uh, condemnation of, of uh, Hong Kong, the crackdown on Hong Kong by the PLA and by China, as well as their more recent move to towards towards basically making it legal to, to sanction uh, Chinese individuals related to a major, major human rights abuse in China, uh, primarily occurring in, in some of their western provinces. Uh, I'm sure some of you guys have, have heard of this, that uh, a minority group of Muslims called the Uyghur, Uyghur, I think that's pronounced, how it's pronounced, Uyghur Muslims, and and how uh, thousands and thousands of them are most likely in detention camps. Um, you know, sometimes people compare U.S. To, to China and say, you know, U.S. is is pretty bad too. And, and I would agree in terms of, of human rights abuses, uh, or I should say privacy infringement, and to some extent human rights rights abuses. Yeah, that happens in the U.S., but but not on the scale of what's going on in China, not on the scale of full-blown, uh, basically concentration camps, borderline, you know, genocide. You're one step away from genocide, basically the, the killing part of it, right? To, to our knowledge, that hasn't occurred on a, a super widespread scale, although there are rumors that, that plenty have been, been murdered for, for a variety of reasons. Right, uh, but but Congress passing a bill basically basically condemning that that doesn't help U.S. Chinese relations, which is fine by me. But that should be very bearish for the prospects of of a trade deal being worked out. Same thing goes with North Korea, which which I'll get to a little bit later on in this video. But but North Korea is making headlines once again, and and not just little two bit headlines uh, about how they lobbed some projectile into the sea, but but. Uh, recently warning, uh, well, well, I'll say that for a second because I have more to talk about that in here in a second, but but North Korea and Taiwan, situation with Taiwan hasn't improved. None of these things are improving. And then the trade deal itself is... Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Is, is a farce. I mean, how can we describe it as anything other than that? 18 plus months of headlines for a long time revolving around uh, the occasional headline saying Trump is is close to a trade deal or China's close to a trade deal. And then, of course, that, that never actually happens. And then finally tariffs. We've had a bit of a break from, from increases uh, or, or um, ratcheting up tariffs and, and those that type of pressure. But, but constant headlines about how 
anonymous sources uh, are cited as as saying we're close to a trade deal and and the market moves up a couple percentage points on the news time and time again i I i'm sitting here and i'm saying to myself like matt what if you're wrong you know what if we are close to a trade deal what if you're out here saying trade deal is not going to happen and it happens before you even manage to publish this podcast but then i remind myself this is a farce that has gone on for over a year now no progress has been made in terms of a trade deal. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, I don't care what these these cited or uh, anonymous sources say. We're, we're not any closer to a trade deal than we were three months ago, six months ago, nine months ago. Um, tariffs, for the most part, are still in place. Uh, in fact, they're, they're likely to be ratcheted up here. And, and you got to think at some point, obviously, you know, Trump would, would want a great deal before the election. But that doesn't mean that China is going to allow that to happen, especially if they don't think that they are getting the good end of the deal or et cetera, et cetera. And then there's always the risk that, hey, a trade deal finally happens after the market's up like a bazillion points on constant headlines about that eventually happening. And and it's sort of a a buy the rumor, sell the news. The market tops them because the trade deal has been reached. We have a blow off top and then it's it's bear market and recession uh, time after that right? That's always a possibility as well. You know, a trade deal doesn't necessarily mean the market's going to move up or that the economy is going to, to improve. But regardless, I'm still extremely cynical that it's ever going to happen. And so how does this relate to precious metals? Well, ultimately, I think this is going to come to a head before the election. I wouldn't be surprised if a significant escalation in China and U.S. relations occur in the next month or two which is good for precious metals because you're going to see a weaker yuan, you're going to see prospects of weaker economic growth, a drop in the stock market, which all means uh, two things, most likely. Uh, Probably a weaker dollar, but also, and it kind of goes hand in hand with that, uh, a a more accommodative Fed, right? Uh, For a while there, it was China that was basically forcing, not China, but the U.S.-China relations and and the, the deterioration thereof, that was forcing China's hand in the, or forcing the Fed's hand in the first place in terms of, of cutting rates. They probably had to do it anyways. But it certainly, I think, maybe moved at the timetable for Powell and company for cutting rates because uh, things were, were so bad earlier this year with China. I'll, I'll remind you that it was the Fed cutting rates, um, stopping QT and restarting QE, as well as uh China trade negotiations falling apart that that in many ways sparked silver and gold's move earlier this year out of 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 a uh, multi-year trading pattern especially for gold right so uh, yeah I think that's going to come to a head I mean I don't think Trump wants a no deal coming out right around Christmas Christmas which is why I'm I'm giving myself a bit of leeway here we might have to wait for the new year but it's coming. It's coming to a head. I think this can only go on for so long. And then the other piece of this, for why I think gold and silver are, are primed to, to move up quite a bit, is geopolitical risk. Yeah, China, U.S. relations, that's geopolitical. But but specifically what I'm talking about here are two countries that have been not, uh, have not been in the headlines as much as they have been in, in previous months or years. Uh, but are, you know, the, the two smaller foes of, of the uh, United States, previously part of, of what some people would call the, the axis of evil. Of course, I'm referring to Iran and North Korea. Um, Iran uh, recently uh, 
despite it not being in the headlines as much, the the Middle East as a whole is still dealing with quite a bit of, of unrest. Um, the whole Turkish situation in, in the Idlib province of, of Syria, as well as, you know, a banking collapse and revolution or, or protests in Lebanon, um, major uh, protests in Iraq with, with ultimately uh, leading to the... the, the uh, abdication isn't the right word, but but their prime minister stepping down. Um, I mean, it's 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 a it's a volatile region as always, right? The headlines just haven't been as focused on it. But I think that's going to change. You know, we see recent headlines about um, U.S. intel sources saying that there's likely to be uh, an attack um, potentially on U.S. forces by by Iran. Now, I don't know if that's actually going to happen. It false flag, maybe. Maybe it'll be Iran. But I think that the situation for Iran hasn't gotten any better in the past couple of months. It's not like we've eased up our sanctions or anything like that. They're still feeling the pain uh, in terms of economic uh, um, decrease in economic activity and their currency and whatnot. And, you know, when you when you back a, uh, a, a wild animal into a corner, it's it's going to bite at some point, right? And, and I think we're moving in that direction with Iran. Now, maybe Iran, it could be a false flag. It could be somebody else that ultimately sparks a, 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 an escalation or even a full-blown conflict. But that obviously would be bullish for, for gold. Unfortunately, because it probably means lives lost, but, but bullish nonetheless. And then North Korea. Uh, again, kind of flying under the radar. But North Korea recently basically said, you know, we for a while now they've had sort of an uh, end-of-year deadline in place that if the Trump administration doesn't work something out with them in terms of, of um, easing up on sanctions and of course North Korea's nuclear program that 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 could be the end of negotiations which would be a huge bummer it could be a, a huge blow to, to the Trump presidency because for a while that was one of his big wins at least in my opinion the fact that he met twice with Kim Jong-un that's huge that's a huge momentous occasion. In fact, Kim Jong-un even met with the uh, South Korean uh, president or prime minister uh, once or twice or maybe more than that. Things were looking great there. And yet we have recent headlines that North Korea is is now saying we'll, uh, we'll have a gift for the United States around Christmas time. And, and really that gift is going to be determined by whether or not the Trump administration acts on, on North Korea. Are, are we going to move towards towards peace, easing of sanctions, a ratcheting down of, of military exercise and whatnot in exchange for perhaps a, a scale back of, of their nuclear and missile program? Maybe, but time's running out, and, and I'm more inclined to say that they're going to be launching something around Christmas time. And it's not going to be a, a smaller missile like they have more recently, but I think it's going to be a uh, something on the scale of an ICBM like they did you know, back in 2017. That has the potential to make silver and gold move, right? Uh, but but as a whole, I think that that this stock market is is a kind of long in the tooth. It's um this rally. We're pretty close to a topping process here, and that could coincide with the end of the year. It's hard to say the exact timing, but I think it's going to head to the downside. And of course, the Fed's upcoming meeting is going to factor into this as well uh, a week or two from now. Um, and precious metals, I think they've consolidated here for a month or two, and, and they're they're geared for another move up. Um, that's where I'm seeing things right now, and and that's why it's a bit of a high conviction uh, move that I'm that I'm expecting here. Just because I think silver and gold are undervalued doesn't mean they have to move, but but I think that that's what we're going to see here in the not so far off future, um, based on seasonality, based on a move up from the bottom for silver and uh, mostly gold. 
um, as well as um, uh, what I predict will be a, a major drop in the stock market, a deterioration of U.S.-China talks, and uh, the threat of war, the threat of, of potentially nuclear war with, with North Korea or whatever, and, and the threat of uh, an increased uh, tensions or even a full-blown conflict in the Middle East with Iran and their proxies. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Where do you think things are heading as we go into year-end and, and into 2020? As always, I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for tuning into today's podcast, and God bless.